0: Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Go out, go out, go out. Hi, guys, welcome back to Open Book. Every other week on the podcast, it's about you guys. We love just chatting, engaging with your questions and comments. This week, we're chatting about what we've closed the book on. We do a little book swap with what we've both been reading. And I'm giving the lowdown on the Venice Film Festival and all the drama behind the scenes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm just (laughs) literally off the plane from the Venice Film Festival. And it was incredible, like Mm. just the style. Uh, We went to see Don't Worry Darling, which is directed by Olivia St- or Olivia Stiles, Olivia Wilde.
1: <laughs> Olivia Styles,
0: not yet. Uh-huh. And then uh, Harry Styles was there, and Florence Pugh. Pugh is that her, Have her you name? You heard either? all the, all the drama surrounding the movie. I assumed that that was just
1: PR people trying no, to create I a but, buzz.
0: I don't think like there's a, a lot of drama around Uh-oh. it. Oh, people are asking for a movie like about the making of the movie (laughs) and I'm totally invested now I didn't even really know the ins and outs of it but I've been getting questions from people Mm. so there's this rumour based on a video last night that Harry spat on Chris (gasps) Pine
2: What? I
0: literally have a video of the moment and I'm like, I
1: really don't think that happened. But you know the way people love a bit of drama, so they want to believe it. Also, with deep fakes, you know, you could really make something out of nothing. So I'm going to do a
0: brief synopsis of what actually Uh happened, okay? Okay. So this they started filming in 2020. Okay. Olivia got Florence on board. She had Shia LaBeouf as the main character.
1: Did you know that? No, I didn't. So Florence
0: had a, a... the rumor is Florence had a problem with working with Shia Labeouf because he is being brought to court for abusing his ex-girlfriend.
1: Yeah, he's a pretty controversial character.
0: I don't know too much about him, but yeah, mm. she didn't feel comfortable apparently. So then Olivia sent a video to Shia saying, "Shia, please, you know, give us, you know, another chance. Think about it. Maybe this is the wake-up call. Miss Flo needs little Miss Flo needs something like this." And Shia released this because. I think Olivia lied about it and said that he he was fired, but he actually decided to leave. Oh, yeah. So the video is like on the Internet. You can watch it. I watched this morning. Oh, my God. And then also the messages between Florence and Shia were released because they were trying to connect and work together. But apparently there were scheduling problems.
1: Okay. so I don't understand. Is it did did Florence not want to work with him or did Shia just decide to leave? I think a little bit of both. And why is Chris Pine in it? And why is he spitting? Basically,
0: there's a lot of controversy between all the cast. Like, even last night, Florence wouldn't look at Olivia or like. No way. Like, she hasn't done any PR around it. Another, like, skewed this is that Olivia was married when they started. Or, sorry, she was in a relationship with somebody. Okay. And Florence wasn't comfortable with the relationship that her and Harry developed throughout.
1: Oh my God!
0: Drama. And on screen it's Florence and Harry. So I'm like and she's directing this. Olivia's directing this.
1: Oh what so, merciful yeah. hour. I did not There's know this. So and it's like drama. trying to make
0: sense of it. There's definitely awkwardness there
1: yeah 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 but can you see that on the screen or could you just see that when you were on in person on the night
0: I think you can okay. kind of, yeah. oh
1: my god I yeah, love that you had a front though. row seat to this Hollywood drama I
0: no, it's amazing. actually very very entertaining but uh, the movie was
1: the movie's fine but it's the drama surrounding it's it it's so more that's the, the drama story.
0: surrounding it and like it's a gorgeous film like it's you know it's shot really well the costumes are amazing the set's amazing Casts are beautiful, but the storyline wouldn't really be for me. It was kind of out there, you know. Okay. And okay. I know that it's it's not getting the best reviews in the world.
1: Okay. But also was okay. so
0: much hype around it, I feel like that, you know
1: yeah, it's kind of disappointing, I'd say, um, from Olivia's perspective, though, as well, that there's all of this, you know, this is her directorial debut, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, it just feels now it's all so tainted by just like petty behind the scenes yeah. and like, you know, the the whole romance between her and Harry and all of that. It's like, oh, good. And she's really enthusiasm. coming
0: out as the bad guy, yeah. which is probably just the media story, you know?
1: Yeah, probably. Mm. Damn the media. I, I actually am a member of the I media, <laughs> Um, so that's in your good books yes very good mm-hmm. um, in my good books this week I actually well my it's a bit of a good books bad books one um, my phone I don't have any storage left and it's the most irritating thing the issue is with my job I have to take I have to use my phone a lot mm-hmm. and it's taking up a lot of space then all of this different yeah. media so but every time I have to take a video I have to delete like a million different things so then finally at the weekend I was like okay I'm just going to do a, a complete clean and um, I tried to go through my apps and just get rid of loads of stuff. So then I came across my period tracker app, Clue. And I was thinking about deleting it. And then I realized this is the most amazing app on my phone. Do you have a period tracker app? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you use? Period diary, I think. Well, Clue... I have been using since two thousand and seventeen, so it has more information on me than my doctor would have. Like it has a series of my it data. Regularly? I update it almost every day. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's gotten so clever now; it can predict when I'm going to be, in, you know, a bitchy mood. So I can say oh, to God, my no friends way. like, "Yeah, maybe I'm not going to make dinner this evening," oh, God, so <laughs> um, cool. or like, you know, if I have a headache and I put it in, it'll tell me, "Oh, well, you're at this phase of your cycle, okay. so your horm- hormones are doing this." But I was listening to the Guardian podcast, which is today in focus. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that many women in the States are actually deleting their period tracker apps because with the situation with Roe v. Wade and abortion being outlawed in a lot of Mm -hmm. different States there, because the data on period apps like Clue, which literally knows everything about me, um, it's just like denoting any other app. Like, do you read all the terms and conditions? No. You're just like, oh, yeah, Grant. Mm-hmm. So they're using the data from period tracking apps to convict women who they think are either looking for abortion services or have crossed state lines to go and get them.
0: Convict people? Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Or to, to build a case against people. Um, I didn't
0: understand that was like what was happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know a huge amount about it, but I know that at least in 12 states over there, it's now outlawed. And so women are traveling to... And you can actually be
0: punished for that.
1: I think that that's the way it's going. Yeah, 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 certainly. I I feel
0: like we're going backwards in time. Oh
1: Um, my God. So clue is in my good books. How do you spell
0: clue, by the way, because obviously I have a clue as well.
1: Oh yes, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, Clue as in like get a clue. So, okay, right, it's so C-L-U-E. Okay. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. But isn't it crazy to think... That, you know, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't predict when a woman is going to get pregnant. Like, the apps in this area, I think, are working really well in femtech to try and beef up medical research when it comes to women's health. Because we're <laughs> we're years behind men's health, essentially, mm-hmm. when it comes to it.
0: So, you know Hazel Wallace? Do you follow her? The food um, medic?
1: I d- yeah, I do know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: she released a new book about oh. this. Her new book is called The Female Factor. So, she's a doctor. Yeah. And she, she's a smart wrote, lady. She wrote this book about how a lot of uh, medical trials and a lot of our medical knowledge is based on men's health. Yes. So she's kind of talking about female health and how our bodies are different and we are, react differently to things. So it's really interesting. So I must, I must pick it up and have a read of it because
1: definitely, yeah. Like I think we're so in the dark when it comes to our own health, and I think women were always seen as more hormonal men, mm-hmm. and so oh the you know, the medication might work differently. and But the thing is, if you don't have women in the trial, then you don't know that the medication is going to work differently when it's actually used on a female mm-hmm. patient. Yeah. And I think another thing that's really interesting is that like a heart attack and a stroke can look different in a man and a woman. We're hearing a lot about women who are being diagnosed with autism in their 40s and 50s because it presents oh. differently in women than it does to men or girls than it does to boys. Oh my God, wow. Yeah, so it's really fascinating. I must pick up that book. That's a good reminder. Yeah, okay. In my bad books this oh. week... Every time I go on to
0: any news outlet, right, people give out about Meghan Markle a lot.
1: Yeah, people don't like her so much.
0: I know. So I got a snippet. I heard a snippet of her new podcast. Archetypes. Yeah. And with Mariah Carey, which is so random, isn't it? Like
1: Very random. But then when you hear that the theme of that episode was diva, it's like, okay. Why would she
0: do that for her first episode?
1: It was her second episode. Oh, her first okay. episode was with Serena Williams and it was about um, the misconception of ambition. Okay. Mm. Have you listened to them? So I listened to a little bit. Now I'm not the biggest Meghan Markle fan, but I do I do think it's gotten a little bit too intense, especially the Daily Mail had up her speech that she made at the One I World heard Summit. It. She was,
0: but the Daily Mail hate her. So, I, I, yeah. so this is what's in my bad books. I mm-hmm. don't know where to stand. I'm like, are they, like, is she really this bad of a person mm-hmm. or or are the media ganging up against her
1: I think that um, the UK media and the US media had very different opinions of her but now the US media seem to be kind of tearing her to shreds and so now yeah, it's feels yeah the US has turned like on her Well, she hasn't really helped herself, to be fair. I mean, just like the timing of it all is like, you know, the Queen isn't even coming down to greet the new Prime Minister because she's quite elderly now. And she's clearly, well, we're getting hints in the media that she's not in the best of health. And it's the 25th anniversary of Diana's death and she's on two podcasts giving out about the royal family. Then she brings out this cut article where again she's taking jibes at them it just it feels a little bit like broken record yeah
0: move on from it
1: broken record I think that's a technical joke yeah. and then also just like an eye for an eye you know what I mean yeah. makes the whole world blind
0: I want people listening really to give me unbiased feedback Whose side do I take here?
1: Yes. <laughs> you should put a poll up, honestly. I don't think she would do very well. I think, no. uh, well, my issue with Meghan Markle is just that she's a little syrupy for me. Like, I feel like she's quite fake. Mm. But she might not be fake. That's just my my interpretation of her. And I think Irish people have, like, a real radar for that. Yeah, are yes. like, oh, on to yourself.
0: She probably just shouldn't shine a light so heavily on herself if she wanted to step back, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's the the contradictions in there yeah. as well and the it's very hypocritical to be inviting the New York Times magazine or the New Yorker magazine, one or the other, into her home to literally pick up her son from school when she's saying she wants privacy, she doesn't want to be in the media. What's mm-hmm. very obvious about that for me is that she wants to control the narrative in the media yes. as opposed to actually want to step back. So that's
0: media. another thing. Didn't she ask them to say a certain thing? They She asked the oh, New Yorker yes. to describe... The sounds she was making in this particular way. Yeah, yeah.
1: she doesn't do herself any favors. Yeah, Let's leave my, it my
0: my deep dive for this evening is going to be Meghan Markle focused.
1: <laughs> oy 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 oy
0: oy. So yeah, send in thoughts, opinions, unbiased articles so that we can make a decision on her.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, or we'll decide on our opinion on our Meghan judgment. Markle. Yeah. yeah, the the jury is still out.
0: Okay, so what is in your bad books this week, Sarah?
1: My bad books. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd one but I just am over the hype of festivals particularly <laughs> Electric Picnic I have no interest in being in a festival ever I remember I I tried to stay over at Oxygen Oh god and I, that, I think that, that tarnished was, all of our memories oh my, opinions of
0: festivals oh,
1: I, I remember I think I was like maybe in fifth year drinking vodka straight there was the wellies there was a feather in my hair the whole thing was just It was chaos. Woodstock Ninety nine. Yeah. She yeah. was. And I, I remember I was supposed to stay and then my I woke my parents up in like County Lyes to come and pick me up from wherever the hell oxygen was on back in the day. I know. Because I couldn't. What I year? just literally couldn't. It was do it. it was probably the same stay. year
0: 2010.
1: I think it was two thousand and nine actually, but oh my god, it was just the so worst. I know
0: several people who do that. Our year as well, and I had like the worst pain in my stomach. I bought my own tent because I could not cope with the not waterproof tents. Yeah. But I wouldn't give up. I held on. Oh
1: my God, fair lady.
0: My friends to this day are like Louise. we're lucky we're still friends after that experience. <laughs> I literally remember sitting around on the mucky grass and be like, who enjoys this?
1: Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I absolutely hate And then This summer I went to Forbidden Fruit, but like it was in Dublin and it's a day thing, so you can go home. But even then I was like, why are we here? I don't know any of these acts. Mm. I don't care enough about music to come and see someone live unless it's Coldplay, which I missed because I had COVID. Then you're waiting in line for like a shitty birthday. Can I curse on this? Of course I can curse on this. For a shitty burger that you're going to pay eight euro for. Everyone is just trying to get as drunk as possible because invariably it's raining and everyone's feeling awful. I just Mm. hate it. You're never on the same buzz as anybody. You always lose something, your phone, whatever it is. Honestly, I saw everyone going to Electric Picnic. I went to the National Concert Hall and I watched (laughs) Room with a live symphony orchestra from RTE. I had an absolute... Ball. It was dreamy. The weather Lenny was shakery
0: bad last weekend though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: And then there was everyone posting on Instagram what a great time they were having. I was like, you guys are crying yourselves to sleep. I know that the, <laughs> the wet on your face is from tears and not rain. I had a blast. Lenny Abramson was there. The author who oh, wrote yeah. Room yeah, was yeah, yeah. there. Oh, cool. The guy who wrote The Score was there. It was a beautiful evening. I ended up sitting next to the author mostly because I'd actually stolen her seat. <laughs> oh my God, no way. Anyway, either way I had a dream and I just feel as Though everyone is going to these festivals, pretending that they enjoy them and perpetuating this idea that you can't have an Irish summer without going to one of these honestly horrid festivals. (laughs) Horrid.
0: I feel like we're going to get some opinions on that.
1: (laughs) I've never been to a festival that I've enjoyed. My view on festivals is the same as my view on Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas? Four times.
0: What? I love Vegas.
1: (laughs) I hate Vegas. I hate Vegas. I remember showing up to Vegas. We arrived, we were all in this big truck thing. We'd come down on the J1 from LA. We arrived in at like 10 a.m. We came the back way into Vegas. And I remember literally looking around. I think someone has a video of it. And I was like, this place is a shithole. And I stand by that. It's (gasps) awful. We were there for four days. I tried to leave every single day, but there was never any room on the bus. So I was there
0: twice for work uh, and twice just for fun. But... um. Yeah, I I like it. I think it's fun. And like you can go to shows and... Yeah, the food now is an amazing thing. The
1: food is so crap. Unless you're willing to spend a lot of money, you have to eat fast food. Yeah. And I think part of why now, I'm sure that you were staying in nicer places and all the rest of it, but like, we were like so skint. We were like 21. Oh, of half course, of yeah. I've have, have had that experience uh, too, yeah. Half of us didn't even have proper IDs. And also it was in that era where basically before you go to Vegas and people who have gone there might recognise this. You know, you're dealing with promoters a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I remember we had to send our photos to their promoter <gasps>
0: yeah. before
1: he would agree to let us into clubs. Mad, isn't it? So weird. And then you would be shuffled from table to table, like kind of moving up depending on how hot they thought you were. And I remember at one point, we then got moved into a VIP room. Oh, God, that's great. And it was us, like literally 20, 21 year olds. And I would say, men in their 50s who were paying for all the drinks. So the mm. best thing about Vegas is you don't spend any money, but instead you sell yourself. I, I know. I, I, it actually gives me the creeps even thinking about it. It was it was hell on, it was hell on earth. <laughs> I would do oxygen 15 more times if it meant I never had to go back to Vegas again.
0: Really? I
1: hated it. <laughs> hated it. <laughs> never going back again. I have closed the book on Vegas. <laughs> Speaking of closing the book... When we were talking to Melanie Murphy last week in that episode, she mentioned that she has closed the book on alcohol, yes. which I think a lot of listeners got in touch and were kind of intrigued about.
0: I loved her honesty. She was so open about all of her struggles. Everything, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really, really nice listen.
1: Listeners can listen back to last week's episode if they would like <laughs> to get a little bit more detail. But um, what have you closed the book on?
0: God, what have I closed the book on? I try at the end of every year, like write New Year's resolutions. Like what has, what do I need to work on say for the following year? See, I knew you
1: were a list person.
0: I I am. I have a priority list, like high, medium, low. Really? So when I have a to-do list, and like everything goes on there. Could be meeting a friend or it could be picking up my dry cleaning, whatever it is. But like, that's obviously low priority. If it's something urgent for work, it's high priority, you know?
1: Okay, oh, well done. Anyway,
0: it helps me. I don't always do it. (laughs) I'm really not that organized. But uh, I've closed the book on listening to like unnecessary negativity mm-hmm. because I do a lot of things online and I share a lot. It impacts me a lot. Like I'm quite like a sensitive person. Yeah. So I try not to feed into it and read it and listen to it unless it's constructive and try and just stay focused, stay in my lane and yeah. busy, which is probably why I'm like happiest when I'm busy because I'm not paying attention to anything isn't worth listening to, if that makes yeah, sense, you Yeah, know? definitely. Even when we're talking about the movie in Venice, Don't Worry Darling, like the negativity surrounding it, like they're slating Harry's accent, they're slating Olivia's directing. I'm like, that's their first time doing both those things, you know, mm. so it would be very disheartening for them. And like even when we had Louise O'Neill and she said she doesn't read reviews, I found it interesting that Melanie does read reviews um, because... Like, it must be a little disheartening. I also think it can be encouraging. I can be, you know, you can learn from being criticised for sure. Mm. I guess it's to get that balance, you know, to get the balance right.
1: Yeah, or just be um, conscious of who you're listening to as well. Because if it's some troll on Twitter or whatever, it's very different to if you're writing, Mm -hmm. getting feedback from, you know, an editor or a publisher or another writer, you know. Yes. The advice that I had been given at one stage was, you know, look for feedback, look for lots of feedback. Mm -hmm. From people that you trust. Like, that's the difference. I think
0: it's a little bit like that law of attraction thing. If you are going to be looking for negativity, you're going to find it.
1: And it's contagious. Mm -hmm. It's so contagious. Like, there's nothing more sapping than being in a group of people speaking badly about anything because it's like our predisposition is to be more negative than positive. Mm-hmm. So like it's quite lazy to be negative as well. Like you really need to push yourself into positivity and like that's where you're going to grow and flourish. You're never going to achieve anything by either listening to the naysayers or by dwelling in negativity. Yes.
0: And I see it in myself like if I go into a meeting feeling negative, I'm not putting my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe myself, not to mind the other person having to believe me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like absolutely. it's like for my benefit to and for you know, I, I just, it's better to put those positive vibes out there. But yeah. 100%. It's gone well for me this year. I've only broke it like once. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What have you closed the book on?
1: I have closed the book on diets. Oh my god! I was
0: that was going to be my other answer.
1: Oh yeah. See, you know what? I will never put myself into that position again, where I'm restricting food, or where I'm making dieting or hyper exercise, anything like that, so a priority. Sure.
0: Like it's, I, I can't. I used to totally be like that, and I'm. I count my calories. I basically was starving myself, yeah. and I was getting so caught up in like numbers. And I remember I went to the gym, and I had a. Meeting with a nutritionist, and I was like, "I'm not losing weight. Mm. What is going on? Like, I'm barely eating anything, you know, in comparison to what I would normally eat." Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, your body's in starvation mode. You yeah. need more food." He I that- honestly haven't weighed myself. I couldn't even tell you the last time I weighed. I don't. I don't know. I'd yeah. say it was two years ago or something. And I'd
1: say you're a much happier person and much lighter in every sense, probably, because yeah. of it. It just
0: doesn't count, doesn't mean anything. It you doesn't know? mean
1: anything. And like, I can't tell you how many. I remember I, I did all of them. I did the Ducan diet did when yeah, Kate Middleton was uh, getting married. That's supposedly what Carol Middleton had her on. I did the cayenne pepper diet. You know, that one Beyonce was on for a while. Oh, calorie restriction, all the rest of it. And like, to be honest... I never lost any weight on those diets because Mm. I really feel like if you put so much focus and attention on that, you lose so much except weight. Like Mm. you lose the ability to socialize, to enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. And I will never put myself in that position ever again.
0: I know. I just think everything, like trying to get more of a balance with everything, which I know can be hard. But say, for example, you have a weekend where you indulge so much, it's just about getting back into the routine and not yeah. You know, just getting Not back into Not beating being. yourself
1: up about it. Yeah. And actually, did you ever follow the blogger, The Londoner? Yes. Oh my God. Rosie oh, Londoner, was it? I was obsessed it? with her. Yes, Rosie oh. Londoner. So I followed her when I was living in London and she was a big proponent of the anti-diet. Eat whatever you want until you're full. And that was basically it. Intuitive eating, I suppose, mm-hmm. was kind of the way with it. Did you see she um, she got married and had a baby? Do you still follow her? I don't know. I can, honestly,
0: my Instagram was so weird. It shows me most <laughs> random
1: things. I know the algorithm on mine is really annoying me at the moment. I,
0: I feel like bad when I meet people because I'm like, I didn't know this because I didn't see it yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. but uh they're pushing so many videos our way as well at this mm -hmm. point and you're really good at making the videos um but I miss the Instagram of yore I know
0: I know where where everything was in order and it was like Yeah. yeah
1: Instagram is going the way of TikTok and I'm not happy about it
0: do you like TikTok?
1: Uh, I deleted the TikTok app. You
2: know, I have it
1: to use takes It takes a lot of time, bit. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like I have to use it a little bit for, for work, but um, it's just a skill set that I don't have. Do you know what? It's the first app that's come along that's made me feel old. I know. <laughs> it's like our parents when technology and phones and apps and stuff were all coming in. It was like we were digital natives and, you know, they were far into this uh-huh. land. That is literally how I feel when I'm using TikTok.
0: I do find it's really good for a deep dive
1: Oh, of anything. You have to be careful, though, because if it, if it hooks onto an algorithm for you, you just get stuck in that. I,
0: yes, but I love that. <laughs> so now oh I'm no. forever going to be served Harry Styles and Olivia yeah. Wilde videos.
1: <laughs> well, my issue with that is I went down a really terrible path recently because I actually am really blessed with my skin. But I also have a very odd interest in pimple popping.
0: Oh my god stop. I know
1: It's sick It's oh, so sick One of those sick.
0: came up for me recently oh. And I literally I put it in front of Mark's face <laughs> It's I was like, look, he's like, stop, take it away. I was like,
1: why?
0: <laughs> oh, it's so sick, it's, but it's so good. Disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting. disgusting,
1: but honestly, like, I no, spent... No, I'm not one of those people who oh. enjoy watching that. Mm. Oh, no, and I started following Dr. Pimple Popper on oh, YouTube. Mm. And her best stuff, you have to, like, subscribe and pay to see. And I, ha- I remember I had my debit card out. I was about to pay and I was like, who the hell am I?
0: So what you kind actually, of a sicko am I? You actually enjoy watching it.
1: I don't know. I don't know whether I'm enjoying it, but I'm addicted. So you're fascinated by Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had to get rid of TikTok in the end. Anyway, it was just it was it was it was bringing up really strange part of my psyche. Okay. So um, I've also closed the book on Dr. Pimblebopper's video. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to after this.
0: <laughs> so what have you been reading this week? So
1: at the moment, I'm reading this book called The Promise. Oh, the I've mystery. heard of this. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. So it won the Booker Prize last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a bit of a Booker Prize buzz at the moment because they've released, is it the shortlist or the longlist? I can't remember which. But what I'm doing at the moment is I'm reading books that are sort of outside of Europe because I feel like I haven't done enough travelling in my life Mm. so I kind of want to travel with my literature. So the promise is set in South Africa and yeah, it's, um, the premise of it I suppose is that there's this family and they're a white family in South Africa and the mother is dying and her maid who lives in a property on the farm looks after her so well and like is so caring and compassionate to her in her last days and so her dying wish is that the house that the maid lives in will be given to her to be her own family home when she dies and the husband agrees to this but the promise is never fulfilled and every section of the book because there's no chapters every section is coming back to that promise and the fallout from it not being fulfilled, the impact that it has on that family. But because South Africa goes through these incredible changes over the 20 years when it's set, you're kind of really getting an insight into what it was like on the ground as things were changing. Like Mandela gets released from jail at one point during it and there's a certain amount of funerals and the rituals all change because in the first funeral in the book, no one who was black was allowed to attend the service and then by the end they're sitting in the same pew. It's really fascinating. Yeah, um, but also quite heartbreaking as well.
0: Okay. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Have you finished
1: it? I'm almost finished it. It's one of those books that I'm teasing myself to the end of it. Like I I almost don't want to finish it, which has been the way that the last couple of books have been for me, which has been really nice. I love a book like that. Yeah. Yeah, You're trying to drag it out. I know. But what is on your nightstand this week?
0: So, Book Lovers, the one we're gonna do for Book Club, is on my nightstand, but I was conscious we didn't actually say where we were gonna read to last week. Yes. I read a few chapters and I really like the, the style of the writing. Okay, great. Yeah, but uh, let's let's set a realistic goal for two weeks' time. Okay. Let's go to chapter fourteen. It's just under halfway through.
1: Okay, great. 150
0: pages. By now, hopefully most of you who are gonna get involved have the book and yeah it's a nice it's a nice read it's light and it's you know it's it's not dark which is yeah, I don't nice really but um i also was listening to Tuesdays with Mari oh yes i just couldn't wait i was yeah. i was like you know what i need something kind of nice to yeah, listen to yeah 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 so, what is it about so it's about a college professor that he's a very like inspirational man okay. mari is his name and he has kind of been there for a lot of students throughout his you know teaching career and then afterwards as well almost like a life coach Mm. so this guy Mitch after he's finished college promises he'll stay in touch and he doesn't he gets carried away with work he's really busy he's running around work is everything he's trying to compete with he's a sports journalist trying to compete with these famous athletes that he's you know interviewing and try to you know have as much money of them as them as you know, big houses, the cars, even though that's not necessarily what makes him happy. Okay. So then Amari gets sick and Mitch runs into him. He's mortified to meet him. He's like, oh, my God, I said I'd keep in touch and I didn't. But they arrange to work on a last thesis together, which is kind of like running through what's important in life, like from somebody who's on their deathbed, you know. Jeez. So they go through like family, work, um, all these different aspects of, life, like, relationships, marriage, like, all these things. And Mari kind of just breaks it down, like, what's actually important? And I think it's it's really nice to listen to because even though we all know it, well, maybe we don't all know it, but, like, it's nice to be reminded, minded you know, and it's nice to listen to that stuff and be like, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, nobody on their deathbed says, I, I wish I worked more.
1: You're making me emotional it's, over here. It's
0: lovely. It's a, re- it's a nice read, Aww. you know.
1: So what we said, because, um, <clears throat> I'm actually getting emotional. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Um, let me just check my clue up. I'm obviously coming out of my fears. Uh, no, um, what we had said was that because we made the mistake of not telling you guys watch chapter we'd go up to in Book Lovers that we do a bit of a book swap this week. Yes. So I can't wait to get my hands on or my <laughs> ears listening to mm. Tuesdays with Mari. And actually the book that I was going to suggest that you um, read, Book Swap is uh, this book, The God of Small Things. Okay. And when I say this is the most breathtakingly beautiful book I've ever read in my entire really? life, honestly, Louise, it looks very nice. It's super aesthetic. That's not why I went for it. <laughs> this was written by Arundhati Roy, which I'm sure is not the way you pronounce it. And I'm so sorry, Ms. Roy. And this was her first novel she ever wrote and it won the Booker Prize. It's set in Kerala in India. Mm -hmm. And really interestingly, it's a family over there who aren't Hindu, but who are Syrian Christian. It's a family drama, but because of the place it's set and the time it's set, you learn so much about India, the caste system over there, the political changes that were happening in the 80s and 90s. It's written a lot of it from the perspective of these two seven-year-old twins. And so it's a really beautiful insight into A Very Difficult World. Mm. Um, I think you'll love it. I'd love to know what you think about it. If you don't enjoy it, I'm not going to insist that you finish it. You can certainly feck it. Did you fly through it? Yeah, that was another book now I really didn't want to finish. And you know what? It started the most beautiful conversation when I was in Bread 41 the other day sitting at the community table with these Americans. So that's the other thing about reading. I think it's just a really lovely way of connecting with people that you might not necessarily have anything to talk about. Or Yeah,
0: it's an amazing way of Like learning about different things. Absolutely, yeah. It gives you definitely a new perspective.
1: Yes, and empathy as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think it's a really lovely way of getting an insight into somebody else's perspective or um, situation in life. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it gets you off your phone. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, um, will we look ahead at next week?
0: Next week. I'm so excited for this one. We have Nathan Anthony better known as Board of Lunch. He is an Instagram star slash TikTok slash all of the other social platforms. But he's really like kind of a chef, I would say. But a more like approachable chef. Yeah. Because he does really like easy to make recipes for air fryers and slow cookers mainly. And he works full time. So it's about like creating meals that are, that make your life easier and that are really tasty and quick to make. He's got a cookbook coming out. So that's why wow. we said we'll have him on learn a little bit about, you know, his background and chat to him about some of his favourite cookbooks. And it's really interesting. And I am literally going home to buy a slow cooker after it. So Really? Yeah, I'm like totally influenced by him.
1: Hashtag influenced. Mm-hmm. He's also our first man on the podcast. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. So uh, he's he's doing it for the boys. Um, so let's take a quick listen. In the story of your
0: life, what has been the biggest plot twist, do you think?
2: Um... I think that probably um, doing a degree and then doing a master's and having a very corporate job, a completely different angle from food. Like having this lockdown food blog that has completely taken off and has allowed me to be a food author, which is actually really weird. Like even now that I people say and I know I said this at the start, people are like, can you believe that? Like after two years, and like after the pandemic that you're actually writing books, like food books. Can you can you believe that? And It's funny because we had a meeting this morning in in work and our our HR senior manager was over and we'd done a bit of a round table. She was quite new to the business and our director said, well, we go around the table, tell um, Ruth a bit about yourself and an interesting fact. And I would never, I'd I'd be a wee bit scundered about it. I try and keep it very separate. And I was like, oh, my name's Nathan and introduce my role and what I do. And then I said, oh, an interesting fact about me is I'd done a master's whilst um, I was working um, at the company. And the director's like are you for real are you actually serious that's what you're saying like why are you not telling us everybody in this room that you're you're doing these books now and that you have a, a book on amazon and <laughs> all this so um i definitely think that would be the biggest plot twist like to come from a corporate job and i meant to be a food author and it's so it's so it's it's strange but like you know what opposites attract that's what i always say and it just works really well
0: Okay. Thank you so much for joining guys. Don't forget to get involved. Send us emails with all of your opinions, comments. I'm sure there'll be a good few after this episode. The email is openbook at goloudnow.com or else you can reach out to me on Instagram. Please don't forget to write, share, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do to support us. Um, We're really enjoying these episodes. So thanks so much for listening and for getting involved. Talk to you next week.